heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, Article 5 in NATO, uh, well, provides that if a NATO ally is the victim of an armed attack, each and every other member of the alliance will consider this act of violence as an armed attack against all members and will take the actions it deems necessary to assist the ally attacked. Yeah, we've always known that in the case of Russia and Ukraine, and we talked about it early up front, and uh, as... You know, it's it's actually remarkable it's taken this long, actually, with all the back and forth and the missiles flying out there. There has always, th- this war has always been suspect to the fact that something could happen. Something could go awry, uh, terribly wrong. And then what? NATO, Article 5 would kick in uh, for NATO? And that, that's always the question, the quandary. So what we have now here is an incredible news story is uh, and right now is we are talking right now to you. Poland is in emergency meetings to discuss this uh, explosion. So and there's a, obviously this is a breaking story. So there's a lot of fuzziness to the details, clearly. But we do know uh, a couple of people have been killed uh, in Poland. That is in itself big news. Uh, right near the border there with Ukraine. And so some missiles or projectiles, uh, they don't really know the, the details at this point of where they come from, but they landed in uh, Poland territory, which is NATO territory. Uh, and uh, this and this is uh, with this latest aggression that Russia is doing against Ukraine. You know, what's happening is, Putin gets uh, uh, spooked, I guess would be the word I use. He gets spooked, I think. And with this whole thing recently of of them, uh, Ukraine, uh, taking back uh, Gerson there, you see with uh, uh, with, with Gerson coming back into their um, hands, uh, I think that has irritated Putin to no end. And this is the result of it with this. It's a massive attack of missiles that have been hitting Ukraine. Uh, now, the consequences of this, well... <laughs> They are significant indeed. I mean, typically when this sort of thing happens on this sort of level, we're talking, you know, it, it's it's an international incident that could definitely spark a world war, uh, to be sure. And, you know, things have been very precarious around the world. Uh, so far, we've been lucky to, uh, you know, stay removed from that, but that could change any time here. Let me bring on here, Ilana Friedman joins me now. Ilana's a veteran intelligence analyst and following this story closely. So, Ilana, this, uh, we don't know all the details yet, but this is this was the biggest wave of missile attacks, which I've been following the past many days from Russia that has uh, been launched against Ukraine. And some of the images I've seen are absolutely horrific uh, with the suffrage in uh, Ukraine, uh, with residential areas and just all kinds of things, making life miserable for uh, Ukrainians, of course. And somehow these projectiles from the missiles got off into Poland and, uh, as we understand, and have created a real problem. What what, uh, what what is your sense of this as it's developing right now? Well, my sense is that Russia didn't do this on purpose, um, but somehow they, they fired off 
90 missiles into Ukraine today. And two of these missiles went astray for whatever reason. Um, and we don't and know why, right? We don't know we why. Don't, but we don't know why. One of the reports I heard was that they were actually knocked off course by some of Ukrainians' uh, return fire. Uh, but there's, there's more going on than just this, uh, because, uh, as you know, uh, Russia has pulled out of the Kherson region of Ukraine, and there's been a lot of talk about that. The Ukrainians considered it a victory, but I don't think that's what it's all about. What I think is that the Russians uh, are preparing for a winter offensive in Ukraine. And that's why they pulled out of Kherson, to wait for the ground to freeze so that they can move their heavy equipment back in without getting mired down in the mud. And that is a that's a pretty standard. It's what they did in Stalingrad, right? Um, and it, this is a pretty standard operation. But now, if they're doing that, and hold on, if that's intentional, now with Kursan and what you're describing right there, and you're right, they did claim it as a victory, obviously Ukraine. Um, but so you're saying you're you're thinking that from your intelligence, you you're thinking that they would try to recapture that again, Kursan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I can't imagine that Putin pulled out because he thought he was licked. That just isn't part of his his uh, DNA. Um, he's out to capture all of Ukraine, and if he pulled back, it would if if he did that uh, uh, as he did, it was a strategic move, and it, it's pretty clear why. Uh, if he were to go now, the ground isn't frozen yet, and his heavy equipment could get mired down in the mud in a big way yeah uh, particularly after all the damage that they did there's no infrastructure there to speak of hmm. so um that's uh you know that that's <clears throat> excuse me that is what i i think is happening mm-hmm. but however that's not about the missiles what happened with the missiles is that for one reason or another two missiles landed in southeast Poland. You know, that was always going to be a danger. You know, I remember we yes, talked about this possibility when this war just started that, by golly, if anything goes wrong, because it's so tight, the quarters out there and the countries are, they just, they're so tight. And and, fra- it, it, and it's easy geographically to have something go wrong, as just happened. I'm surprised it took this long, actually. Now, let me just tell you, Russia's defense ministry which I knew this was going to be the case, they immediately put out a statement that said they denied targeting the border or anything close to it. And they called the reports. And again, I I, I could have bet the lottery on this statement, truthfully, because I know how Russia thinks. You know how Russia thinks. And they called the reports by the Polish media a de- deliberate provocation in order to escalate the situation. And this is the statement they put out. But that's pretty standard, isn't it? I think so. I don't. I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it to two, two more minutes of of my time. I think what's really more to the point is that the Polish government is now an emergency meeting, mm-hmm. and they have to decide whether they're going to invoke Article Five of the uh, NATO agreement, which calls for defensive, right. uh, collective defense of. Now members. let me ask you a couple of things here. Now, the, the, so with the Article Five now. That comes down to the country who's been attacked would have to make that request, right? That's correct, yes. Right, right. So NATO wouldn't do it on their own. Now, they would give careful deliberation, obviously, about that. But at the very least, from what I understand, uh, with this sort of warfare, 
they whether or not they engage NATO might well I'm not sure they're going to engage NATO at this point speaking of Poland but I do think that they are they would have to respond somehow to this wouldn't they respond some in some strategic I, manner well, they, no I don't think so I think they would they're not going to go it alone then they, they, they I don't think that was ever a possibility but they may go to the United Nations first and make a complaint against Russia um and you know that's that's something that countries do when they they meet this kind of of issue but um uh, i don't find that the united nations is a very effective organization well that was my thought when you brought up their name so what the hell are they going to do i mean really no, nothing no but i think that would be the first that, that that might be something they're talking about it now they're going to figure it out it's the middle of the night there so uh don't know exactly what's going to you know mm-hmm. what's going to come out but we will certainly find yeah. out it's now, Zelensky, uh, the Ukraine president, uh, of course, he naturally, he, 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 what I'm thinking, Ilana, and I'd like you to speak about this, but my guess is, I, I'm thinking he's elated with this. I think Zelensky is, I, I mean, I think he's rolling around in mud right now, uh, chuckling. That's my impression of him. If I was going to draw a cartoon like one of these cartoonists, that's what I would do. I'd have Zelensky in a mud like a pig rolling around, uh, just laughing his ass off. He come out, he described the fatal explosion as a significant escalation, were his words, in Moscow's invasion. I think he I I, I think in watching his uh reaction to these things previously, I think this kind of plays to his hand. I he probably likes this. I think I think it does play to his hand because he's been in this on his own. He's had some support from from uh, NATO countries, Poland particularly, and and I think Romania, uh, but um, and, and by the way, the damage that was done uh, in um, in Poland also spilled, yeah, also spilled over into Moldova, who lost power because of this uh, explosion for whatever reason. So it's, it's like I said, it's pretty tight quarters out there with these countries. Yeah, it is, it is, and and so I I uh, I, I don't think that. Uh, that this is is bad news for Zelensky because he's really been doing this on his own. Uh, but he's been getting a lot of support from Biden. Uh, it started off very slowly, and now Biden is just sending him money and not tracking it, not seeing where it's going. I think that's just plain stupid. Well, especially but, to uh, Ukraine because there's so much corruption there. Well, that that's what we hear, and 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 in any case, even if it were, even if there weren't corruption, if if we're going to be sending over, you know, billions of dollars and and equipment that's worth billions of dollars, and and we're not tracking in any way how it's being spent, what it's being done to it, you know, uh, with it, I mean, and 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 that's something that just shows how stupid we are well but let me let me interject here alana now you say that i mean i i hear what you're saying but let me just remind you and remind listeners that while that normally might be true what you say i i think i would suggest to you i don't think it's true here and i'll tell you why here's the administration who has left billions of dollars of uh, war material and, and warfare on the battlefield in Afghanistan. And I don't think they really care to track anything. And uh, frankly, no, I think I, they're playing with monopoly money. I don't think they give a rat's ass. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. That's what I was trying to say, is that they are not tracking it. I don't yeah. think they give yeah, a damn. They don't care. They don't give a damn. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to money or that kind of thing, these people, you know, it's Plato to them, you know, it's uh, monopoly money. Uh, and of course, well, it's not their money. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's one more thing, and that is that uh, mm. the Pentagon spokesman, who is a man named General Patrick Ryder, okay. said today he was asked whether uh, we would come to the aid militarily because of uh, our commitment to NATO. And what he said was, when it comes, this is a quote, when it comes to our security commitments and Article 5, we've been crystal clear that we will defend every inch of NATO territory. Now, let's stop there a moment here. Let me pause a moment, my thinking here with you, Alana, because I was thinking about exactly that point when we came on today. I was thinking exactly that point you just say, and I was thinking to myself, what would the Biden administration do? How would they handle this? Because I don't see him as a pillar of strength in any regard when it comes to foreign relations like this and war. Uh, what, when you really drill down to Joe Biden and, he, and really more so his handlers, the people around him, what do you think their MO is to do? I mean, they're definitely part of the industrial military complex that they are it. But what do you think they're, do you think they would invite this sort of attack? Uh, I mean, before the election, I might have said yes, because they love these kind of distractions and an election sort of thing. But this is kind of done now. How, what do you think? Well, I, 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 I do think that they they sort of welcome this. The Democrats always have. The Democrats are the ones are are. Um, among among others, I mean, the, it has happened in Republican administrations, but it did not happen in the Trump administration that we were involved in any war. Um, um, the Biden administration has brought us into involvement with the Ukrainian war, even though we don't have soldiers fighting. We certainly have advisors there and we have we've been sending them, you know, truckloads of money. Right, so if it comes down to it and Poland says, yes, we can't. I mean, this damage is very severe and we, we've got to engage NATO to what degree they do some sort of a retaliatory strike, uh, whatever that looks like. Do you think Biden engages at that point or do you think he pulls back and, and tries to take a, a, a more of a negotiated road on this? Oh, I don't think there's anything to negotiate. I think he either is in or out and he's got a commitment to NATO. Uh, I honestly, you know, this has the seeds of being the beginning of World War Three. Yeah, do you really think that? Do you, I mean, I'm, sincerely, I've seen your message earlier where you referenced that to me, and I'm just, I'm really just honestly asking you. I mean, let's, there are different elevations of what that looks like. Do you think that that could really inspire that sort of a confrontation? Look, there are 29 members of NATO. If 29 countries are involved in an attack uh, or retaliatory strike against Russia, isn't that a beginning of a world war? Well, but that back to your earlier point, it, it could be. But then again, if this, you know, again, the rules of engagement, accident versus intentional, that's a factor. That's a point. Of course, Ilana, on top of that, when you're playing with fire, you're you're definitely going to get burned. Yeah, I don't think Poland wants to go to war with uh, Russia. Right. Uh, they have too much to lose. I agree. And, uh, but you never know with these things. The dynamics are so um uh squirrely and it doesn't take much to it's it's a, a a spark looking for a gas leak yeah yeah there's only other one other time um uh, that article five has been um invoked ilana if you will and that was uh here an attack on our homeland the united states is september 11th uh, yeah. 2001 this it was engaged there uh at, at that time but um 
course, we took a different road there with Afghanistan and all. But um, that was the other time. So this is very, very rare. Of course, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, but I, I'm I'm very curious. You know, we we got the World War Three point over here. What would that look like, really? Versus, does Biden do they stand down and do something else? But you know, there's another side to this. Actually, I'm thinking about. You know, even though this is, uh, I mean, we see what the Russian foreign military, military uh, uh, the Russian foreign ministry said, we, which I spoke about a moment ago, which is a normal statement coming from them. But you know, frankly, this could also then it probably won't be this way because they won't play it this way. But this could be a very unique opportunity potentially. If there would be a, there's been no really communication with Vladimir Putin. There's been no uh, communication to the point of trying to end this thing. Maybe a meeting of the minds based on this at a high, high level. I mean, Russia doesn't want to confront NATO. Uh, Couldn't this be in an odd sort of way, an opportunity? It could be an opportunity. Honestly, Malcolm, I think it's just too early to know. I think the first thing we have to find out is what um, decisions are made in the uh, chambers of the Polish government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and once we have some sort of an indication, I don't think they're going to want a war with Russia. They're going to do whatever they can to avoid it. But on the other hand, they they have been, in quotes, attacked. And, and uh, they have to write it off as an accident, or they have to have some sort of a show of um, determination that they are going to protect their citizens. Right. And two people died. It wasn't like it was- That's right. Well, I was thinking of that too. I mean, you li- literally had some deaths here. That kind of changes the, uh, the the format of this thing when people are dying, because it's different if, you know, a, a missile landed in an empty field somewhere, Alana, and they really exactly. it, like it was a real accident, but it landed there and nothing really happened. There were no damage. But in this case, there was damage. People died and even power went off in other areas. Right. I mean, that's right. Yeah. In Moldova. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. a real controversy. Yeah. So I, I think we, we have to wait for a little bit and see what happens uh, as a result of this meeting and then, you know, revisit the the possibilities again uh because we really don't know what they're going to do there i i suspect they're in deep panic um but maybe there will be some level heads there and we'll see what happens well the other piece to this equation now is the fact that which i know you can speak about um is going to be because we talked about it and reported it on here some time ago before it was ever made public, uh, before it ever came out into the to the um, international news, and that is the sickness and ailments of Vladimir Putin. And I was thinking about that point coming into today as well, seeing these news reports today and all of this, that, you know, and, and actually the last few days, Alana, when he is having this massive attack back on Ukraine again, and, and I thought, you know, obviously he's um, irrational, he gets irritated. Uh, he's not well. When you're sick and he's on medications, I mean, his life is hanging in the balance at this point is my what I gather based on the reports I've seen of his sickness. It's pretty serious. And, oh, yeah. uh, and you know, he's got Parkinson's diseases, I recall from my memory, and he also has cancer, a very bad he's cancer. Got, he's got cancer that has metastasized, so he's got it in several places. Uh, he, he has told a story about his childhood um, he grew up in, in poverty 
and they used to go out and tease the rats in the in the alley. And one time he got a rat cornered and the rat attacked him. And I think he 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 made some sort of an identification with this rat um, because he does not like to be cornered and he will not be cornered and he will come out teeth bared and fighting with everything he's got if he is cornered. So um, this is something that maybe tells us a little bit about Putin and he's he's dying, he's in pain. Um, he is, um, and he is, he's trying to run a war, uh, and destroy another country mm -hmm. right down to the ground. Right now, the, the missiles that they're sending are supposedly tar they're, they're targeting a lot of civilian areas. I mean, they're hitting a lot of civilian areas, but they're supposedly, um, targeting the electrical and water. Right. Well, they were doing that over this last month. They were targeting all of their energy, their grids and, uh, uh, you know, all of their transformers, that kind of thing. But now this recent missile attack and others, Ilana, have been absolutely on civilian areas, which is really, uh, I mean, goes against all kinds of humanity. I mean, all kinds of things. It's uh, against international norms where you're starting to blow innocent people up, you know? Well, that's the way this war started. If you recall, they were targeting yeah. apartment buildings and schools yeah. and hospitals. They've been doing it right along. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. So I but I, I it seems to me that their that their strategy is to take out the infrastructure, including water, sewage, everything right. else. Well, see, that's what I mean. He was going for broke. And that's what I've seen over the last couple of months because of the target to the infrastructure. That kind of tells you something, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And and it it tells tells us one of the, one of the things it tells us is that because he thought this war was going to take four or five days and it's already taken eight months. Um, this is, this is Putin, the cornered rat, and he's, he's, he's going to destroy everything. It's a scorched earth campaign so that he becomes the victor. And it, it's, it's crazy, but that's. Yeah. That, any, any idea based on the reports of health or from inner circles and research and intelligence you have, we don't really know. Obviously that's information is guarded, but I mean, the sickness, uh, I mean, I wonder how much time he has left. I mean, he obviously has a death sentence with this thing. Yeah, it does. I've I've heard it's something like weeks or months, uh, maybe three or four months. I, I don't know. Of course, you know, I'm not in touch with his doctors. But but my guess is, you know, we're not seeing him anymore. I haven't seen, seen well, him. When you do see the pictures of him, he looks sick as hell. You look at his face. So someone just reported to me it's, the other day on that. They were yeah. looking at some photos of him and said, he looks really sick. Well, he is sick. <laughs> he is sick. He's dying of cancer. He also has Parkinson's, it seems, but that is not necessarily going to kill him as fast as cancer would. Right. Will. You know, someone that's in this position that is that irrational and irritated, that's a cornered rat that is very, very dangerous, I think. That's if he point. makes the wrong decision at any moment, and, and we suspected this, you and I, even a year ago, uh, and you, when we even when you were talking about the intelligence about that cancer sickness before it was even public, you know, we had those conversations, remember? Yeah. Uh, that was the concern is that, you know, all the guy is totally irrational and gets spooked easy, which is what I said earlier. He spooked with this thing. And uh, I think that's a factor here that uh, he is, um, in other words, it makes him even more dangerous, doesn't it? 
it makes him very much more dangerous. And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, this guy is cornered. Um, his the war is not going the way he wants it to. Right, right. Uh, and and uh, he's been he's been unsuccessful. He's destroyed a country, but he's been unsuccessful in that Russia is still not there. You know, they're not there. They're not there. They have not conquered this country. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. So this is a guy who's going for broke. Yeah, he, he clearly is. Now, again, I, I think what I'm seeing with this uh, uh, potential moment here that's happening now, which, again, could have happened at any point. It's we knew from the beginning it was very dangerous. Uh, and especially when he gets so reckless, when he's firing off the level, like you said, 90 today, but the barrage of missiles he's doing, you're always taking a shot that something goes wrong somewhere, somehow. And then you've got a massive confrontation on your hands. Putin, of course, being a madman, has always played the odds. Uh, he's aggressive. He just goes for it. Now with the sickness, you, you know, you do stop and question what's going to be the end result of this thing. What I see is... in. I mean, and if we had an aggressive leader in there, somebody who was a um, very good on the foreign uh, stage uh, with foreign policy, uh, as a president, I'm saying, we I would feel a lot more confident, Ilana. We don't have that right now with Joe Biden, who clearly fails at foreign policy. He has, he has a failing grade. But this is an opportunity, I think. The fact that this has happened now to possibly get a meeting of the minds at the table. And why not call a summit of some sort? Doesn't anybody have the the gumption or the the the, the tenacity to be able to you know get a hold of Putin and the the the, the Russians and say let's have a discussion, a meeting, uh, something to move. I mean, no, isn't that practical? Why doesn't that ever happen? Well, that's us Americans saying that, but the Russians don't look at it that way, and the Ukrainians don't look at it that way. Well, how are they looking at it? Um, well, they're looking at the Russians. The Russians, when I say the Russians, I'm talking about Putin because he's killing his own people. Oh, he doesn't and care about people. He, yeah. But he yeah. doesn't care. That's right. So he just sends them into war. And if they die, they die. Um, so that's that's the Russian point of view. So why would he come to the table? He's having a good time. And he well, that's the question. Is he that? No, no, that is the question right there. Think about it psychologically. Is he having a good time? And I'm not sure oh, if he. I don't know I that he is. Flip. Yeah, no, he, I was being flipped. He's not having a good time, but he is not going to come to negotiating table anytime soon because he, the way he looks at this, if I, if I get this right, is that this is a victory that he has to have. He's not going to take anything less than total victory. Well, but you know, you think about his mindset right now. What does a victory look like for him? Something he can take to the grave? Is that a victory to the grave? What, for his afterlife? Well, it has to do with what with the, the he wants to be Frederick the Great. He ain't going to be. He's going to be uh, dead, Frederick. I mean, he, well, he, he knows that, but that's yeah. the legacy he wants to leave behind. And so he has to. He wants to recreate. This has been his dream for a long time to recreate the Soviet Union again, and and he wants to. Um, he wants to be the one who does it. But don't and you think at this point he's pushed? I mean, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying. And we talked about that, my golly, a year ago, your point. And, you know, and I, I hear you and I don't discount that, that he has some very uh, he, high aspirations here uh, for, for 
you know, dominance in that region here. He blamed it, of course, on NATO, Ukraine joining NATO. Uh, he blamed it on a lot of things and then said all that mass troop buildup on the border there was nothing. It was just an exercise. It would never happen. He wasn't going to invade. Of course, they lie like hell. Uh, the Russians do and the foreign ministry does just like China does. None of these people, they don't know the truth. Uh, they're like the little kid that cried wolf. I mean, it's constant. It's habitual with these people. They they even lie when they tell them the truth. They don't even know when they're lying and telling the truth, Ilana. It's just a fact of life of these people. And well, one of the things, um, and I've written about this a lot yeah. in the past. One of the things that we get wrong as Americans is we do not make take the trouble to understand the mindset of people in different parts of the world. We assume that they want what we want. Uh, they, you know, we want a television in every room and two cars in every garage, and and we want to go to the movies and all kinds of stuff. You know that 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 uh, uh, we want a lot. That we like our possessions, we like our freedom, and so forth. But in other countries, people don't feel this way. Now you're exactly and, right. It's a viable point try, to bring up. Yeah, well, we try to impose mm. our our mindset on right. them when we try to understand what we're doing and this is true of of putin and yeah. it's true of xi jinping and it's true of everybody overseas that we are trying to understand and we don't have a clue yeah because yeah. we think they they're just like us and they're not yeah that's a that's a valid valid point here uh, and you know i have a story to your point uh, that uh, I will tell you and listeners uh, when we come back from the pause in a moment here, a very funny story about what you just said, actually. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, to the point of our possessions. And it, it is a good point and how people, how we relate to things here. The, the, it's the psychology of war, basically, is what we're talking about. There, there's a psychology here involved in all of these things. Uh, we look at things differently and, and people uh, around the world do as well. We don't always put that lens on us, what you're saying, which means we're not really strategic in nature, which means a lot of our leaders probably need to go back Ilana, and read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. <laughs> um, you know, but they don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Look, you know right. This is something this is, you know, if we're if we're talking about China, that's a big issue. Yeah, and uh, I want to talk about China in moments with you, actually, with um, this uh, so big we'll meeting. We'll talk about Sun Tzu also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love the art of war. I've read it several times. And, uh, in fact, I used to run business my corporate days that way. Uh, just I, I, the point is, I get you get a lot of less lessons from Sun Tzu. A lot of lessons, uh, you know, you just do. And the way strategically to handle, you know, that sort of thing. It's it's a fascinating read. If you all haven't read that, Sun Tzu, The Art of War, you, I highly recommend you do it. I think that book is in the America Out Loud bookstore. I'm pretty certain it is uh, with Sun Tzu. And, and if it isn't, yeah, we can get it, it in there. It's, and it's very, very easy to find online. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So- uh, it, and it's it's worth the read, but if we'll talk about it some more because it's very relevant to China. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And um, so let me uh, let me tell you all as well. One of the things I'm talking about here in the next day or two, too, with Dr. McCullough is these uh, these problems with the uh, respiratory systems, the RSV. Uh, there are danger not only to the usually it's the kids and the youth and the young people, but elderly are at great risk from the RSV as well. There's a heightened awareness of this right now. This season, the flu season is very, very aggressive. And it's a combination of what they're calling a triple demic, which is the RSV problems, the, the harsh winter flu season. 
and the variants of COVID all combined just create some weird stuff out there, man. Weird. And I'm starting to see that with a lot of the messaging coming in and the way people feel and react. This is uh, probably a good time to bring up the point that you want to be having the nasal hygiene uh, for yourself. I think this is a good point. And I'm sure many of you have it. And if you don't, do not wait any longer. Go ahead and get it. And because what you do is you put a couple of squirts in your left nostril and your right nostril, and it gets in there and it kills. I'm, I'm telling you, it's so effective with the pulvidine iodine because it's going to kill the, the flu, the influenza, the superbugs, all kinds of pathogens, SARS-CoV-2, all of that stuff, the respiratory problems. And what it does is it gets it before it gets you. And it gets, because the more that stays into your nose, it goes into your respiratory tract. And the problem with COVID, by the way, when all of that trouble was happening, is it goes from the respiratory tract into your lungs. And my friends, from my own personal experience uh, with my wife, let me tell you what, <laughs> it is nothing to mess around with. It will wreak havoc. And if, and, you know, if the cards are not played just right, it can absolutely kill you. And people every day, don't forget, in normal seasons as well, die from the flu. That's as aggressive sometimes as anything, especially, you know, just hits you at the wrong time or you're having troubles with your body. There are a lot of reasons why you need to be careful. CofixRx.com forward slash out loud. Now, Cofix is a product that's made with the povidine iodine. This has been so well regarded, this product is. And I'll tell you, my own experience, when my wife got COVID the second time, she was helping her mom, who has many comorbidities. She had just gotten out of the hospital from surgery. She was in her home for a couple of weeks helping her at the time. You remember I told you that story. And we were deathly afraid that uh, my mother-in-law would get this uh, COVID, which would kill her. Would kill her. She had never had it. And uh, my wife had got it for the second time right in her company, if you can believe that. And I thought, oh, man, this is not going to be good. I said, well, you know, we got COVID RX right over to her. And um, my wife's mom took it every eight hours faithfully. I mean, she was very faithful by every eight hours in the nose, left, right nostril. Do you know she never got the COVID? <laughs> that is wild. And I, I mean, I just I have firsthand experience of this product. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Cofix RX, our listeners get 20 percent off that product. Use the code out loud, out loud. And get that, or just click the banner ad back at americaoutloud.com, cofixrx.com forward slash out loud. Be prepared for the season, friends, and have several bottles around. Have them in your in your, on yourself, your person, and your pocketbook, and other areas. Uh, have and make sure every loved one has their own bottle as well, and use those up uh, to keep you safe there. We'll take a quick pause here, and we'll return to talk a little bit of Xi Jinping and uh, also uh, Biden, of course. They see they had that big meeting. And also, I want to tell you that story on the other side of this here. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. 
It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at CofixRx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. Yours truly as always, my fellow Americans. Thank you for joining us here and talking foreign policy today. Uh, you see the breaking news in regards to uh, the uh, the missiles and the projectiles that went over the line hitting a NATO, uh, an ally country, and now you have to look at Article 5. Uh, the uh, Polish government is meeting as we're talking here, and uh, we'll see what the fallout is of this. Of course, the Russian foreign ministry says, no, no, we, you know, we didn't do anything. They're making shit up. But that's what they always say. I mean, the Russians are, you just know what they're going to say next. Uh, it's the same thing with the Chinese. They deny everything, admit nothing, deny everything. And, oh, I don't know. Anyways, that's what's going on there. Uh, I want to get tell you that story here. And by the way, Alana Friedman joins us back here, intelligence analyst and always a great mind and uh, always following these kinds of great stories. Um, you know, of course, this one here is a very troubled story and could lead to uh, some uh, some big problems on the world stage. You know, I remember back in the Soviet Union days, Alana, um, with uh, Ronald Reagan and back to uh, uh, possessions, as you were speaking about earlier, about, uh, uh, you know, other countries think that we just love our stuff and that the psychology behind these things, we don't always relate to these countries and what they really want uh, versus they know how to relate to us. And I remember the the old joke on the sandlot ball as a young lad myself at that time. Of course, I wish I was still there some days, Alana, you know, uh, but playing <laughs> you know, ball on the sandlot ball, right? And I remember, I, I rem you can relate, right? And, I uh, can. And I remember uh, that there was an ongoing joke at that point. And it was that, uh, the, and, and I don't know if you ever heard this. Tell me if you ever heard this, but this, at least we used to talk about it, that the Soviet Union had had a, uh, uh, a the Mikhail Gorbachev and all. They had a joke, a running joke in Russia that yeah, yeah, we know how to take over America and kill all the Americans. We just have to buy every one of them a Cadillac. They could just buy <laughs> each one a Cadillac and they'll kill themselves. You ever hear that story? I never did. No. Oh, I, I used to hear that as a young guy, honestly, and playing baseball and all that. And I hear that story and chuckle, and it just sort of put the framework into things about our possessions. And of course, at that point, that was before a lot of the foreign cars invaded our shores and a Cadillac was, uh, it was the thing, Ilana, you know, it was, oh, the, I remember. yeah, it was the car. It was the car. Yes. 
Yeah, those those were different days. And uh, when I remember that, that was how the the, the Russians, the Soviet Union, uh, was going to defeat America. It wasn't going to be through nuclear. It was just going to be through Cadillacs. Hell of a thing, right? Buys all a car, you know. <laughs> now, now they'd have to buy a Tesla, wouldn't they? No. <laughs> yeah, but you know, this is this is a very good indication of how the rest of the world looks at us. I know. And it's something that we never really got. I know. Well, that's why I thought of that story when you brought it up, and it's very, very accurate. I mean, I, I just remember that uh, very much. Um, well, we, we'll see what is uh, what evolves out of this uh, other big story. I still believe it's an opportunity, and that's the way I see this, to get Putin to the table. And I've said from the beginning, Ilana Friedman, they must give this man an off-ramp. you got to give him an off-ramp. You, you see what I mean? And, and that's the key. Uh, the question is, how do you do that in a way where he can save face? And Well, that's what you got strategic thinkers for and diplomacy. So you do that by getting those people in a room and, uh, you know, give, give Vladimir Putin a banana split or something or whatever. Tell him to listen up. The question is, can you get him into a room? And I have my doubts. That's the question right there. But, I mean, we won't know unless we offer it. I mean, I've heard nothing about putting a summit together. See, that's the thing about a Donald Trump, not to infuse his name into the conversation, but that's what's unique about what Trump brought to the table, as far as I can see. He was unconventional thinking, like when he was doing Rocket Man, the Elton John song, you know, Rocket Man, Rocket Man. And he, you know, it's all about Kim Jong-un. Remember that? The media was going crazy and saying, oh, my God, he's going to get us into World War Three. What the hell's the matter with this guy? And, I, and he was so unconventional in his thinking. And I thought, wow, you know, that's what we kind of need here. Is some, that's what I'm talking about when I say that's sort of a meeting or something. You need somebody with unconventional thinking. I know if I was the leader, I would have absolutely manhandled this thing already. What do you say to that? Well, I think you're right, except I don't think we have that kind of leadership. And in fact, our country has rejected that kind of leadership. So um, this is or part of it anyway, and, and part of the country. And so I, I'm I'm I think you're you're right. There should be a summit. Um, I also think there won't be. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. Yes. But uh, and by the way, we don't know how sick Putin really is. We right. haven't seen him in a while. No, no, we haven't. And like you say, and you know, you're right. We you think about it, Alana. Uh, because when you first brought that story out, which was some time back now, as I state, this is before any of these reports were out. You and I were talking about this covert information on the phone. Remember, you know, remember, yep. about his sickness and the cancer and all that. And, it, you know, and of course, everybody denied it. Everybody included everybody here and everybody there. But the information was still coming and you were getting the intel on it. And that was the word. Um now you were right, and the intelligence was right, and he has it. But you know what could happen and what probably will happen? There's going to be no long buildup to this. What's going to happen is we're going to get a report in one day. It's just going to come out of nowhere because they're not going to tell anybody how close he is to death for all strategic reasons, obviously. But it's going to happen, Ilana, and the announcement's going to come over. Vladimir Putin dead, the Russian leader and then who fills the vacuum? Do you have any sense of who fills that vacuum? No, I don't think anybody knows. I, 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 the story, the, 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 my sources in this area uh, tell me that he is so protective of his power that he hasn't groomed anybody to follow him. Yeah, that we know of, but there's got to be something oh, going yes. on there. Yeah, there's got to oh, be something. Maybe happening. yes, maybe no. I, I, think, I, I think what may be happening is it's happening around him. Mm -hmm. Um. But that he is not grooming anybody because he 
he he has this feeling of omnipotence. And, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, he, with him at his end days now, it would be interesting to see some new leadership come in to fill the vacuum that would be more open-minded thinking. New leader sees Russia wanting to play with world leaders and really reinvent that country. You know, let's be clear, Alana, the Russian people are amazing people. They usually are within these countries. It's these dictators and third world leaders that end up corrupting it, you know? You're right. Right. Yeah. A lot of possible. And we we had a lot. We have a lot in common, actually, as a Christian nation with the Americans, with Russia, far more than we have with China. Yes. But for different reasons. That's right. That's right. But Um, I've always believed that, too. You know. Yeah. But we still do not understand the Russians very well. And they laugh at us because we don't understand them. Um, They they think it's funny uh, that we have this fixation on things. Um, and that uh, uh, the, the things that are important well, to them are different. Maybe, maybe. I'm still waiting for my Cadillac to come in. I don't know, Ilana Friedman. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, listen, let's talk Xi Jinping a moment here. So I see the meeting that he had with uh, Joe Biden. And one of the things, I don't know if you picked up on this, to be honest with me, I mean, I remember seeing the video uh, j- just uh, uh, today here on this. Where, um, so um, Xi Jinping is standing there. Uh, kind of, you know, he he does look. He's a bit awkward of a guy. He looks a little goofy, you know. But yeah. go, go, goofy Jing Jingping, I guess, would be my nickname for him. Don't tell him that. And I know, I know, he'd send a missile over to my studio. And so I see Xi Jinping there with his hands sort of, you know, dangling to his side, sort of out. And the video shows the what the camera took is Joe Biden walking into the room. And of course, he's double goofy as Xi Jinping is. So you got goofy or dumb and dumber or goofy and goofier. And so Biden walks over with this handout. You know, he almost could run the comic strip that way. You know, remember the comic like, you know, Biden, I'm talking about. He looks that goofy when he walks. You know, I can hear that sort of Bonnie Fife thing in my head. So he's walking across the room, but Putin never, Putin, Xi Jinping never really moved. And he made Biden walk all the way across the room, which is a big feat for Biden because usually he trips all over himself. But anyway, she did make it there and shook his hand. But wasn't that, isn't that sort of a point of power? Wasn't that a power play on the point absolutely. of Jesus? Absolutely. And that's what I, absolutely. And that's what I was going to say, that this was Xi Jinping standing firm in his position and waiting for the world to come to him. This is a man who <laughs> wants to be king of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that one I believe. That one yeah. I believe. Can I talk for a minute about what the, what the Chinese do, how the Chinese behave in this kind of a situation? Please. Okay. It's very difficult for Westerners, which is the same thing as we were talking about before. It's very difficult for Westerners to understand the way the Chinese think. One doesn't, one, you have to understand the hubris, first of all, of Xi Jinping. And how much of it is based on ancient ancient Chinese principles that we don't understand at all. So let me put it simply. Chinese rulers have always considered, and this goes back thousands of years. Chinese history goes back more than 10,000 years, older than anybody, any other civilization that we know about. But they have always considered China to be the center of the world. They called it the Middle Kingdom. And it, that meant that that was at the center of the universe. 
And they also considered that the rest of the world is populated by barbarians. And their methods of dealing with barbarians is to apply the kind of counterintuitive strategies that Sun Tzu spelled out in his book, The Art of War. One of these things that he said, and I think it explains almost everything that we're seeing now, the whole secret lies in confusing the enemy so that he cannot fathom our real intent. Think about that, Malcolm. That is something that is so important if we are to understand uh, Xi Jinping and what he is trying. He is now the most powerful man in China, mm-hmm. second only to, and maybe not second, just he is as powerful as Mao Zedong was, and nobody else comes close. He has had two terms as president or whatever of China, emperor of China. Emperor, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's now, he is now starting an unprecedented third term. Right. Um, uh, she, uh, Mao Zedong was just took over the reins of China and ruled it for 33 years. And then, you know, the the system of government that they have now is a little different from what he had. But this is the most powerful man in China. And he has built this around this whole concept. The whole secret lies in confusing the enemies so that he cannot fathom his own, uh, you know, our real intent. And this is what Mao Zedong has done I mean, I'm sorry, that Xi Jinping has done to his political enemies. Look what he did to the 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 man who was president before he was. He had at the end of the, the, the Congress, he had this guy and the guy was sitting next to him as a as a point of honor. He had this guy frog marched out of the session before it ended. Hmm. This is somebody who is not afraid to shame anyone. And he did that to this guy. And, and then he, he is using this whole concept of confusing the enemy. So what do you think he did to Joe Biden? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're I, right with everything you said. Uh, do you remember when Barack Obama was in office? Do you remember the incident where they wouldn't even uh, take the plane in properly and, and Obama, Obama had to come out of the cargo area? I don't remember that, but it sounds about right. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. You see, you see Biden's idea that she is looking for some kind of a durable co- coexistence with the United States or with the Democratic International Order for that case, uh, is that's absurd. She's nationalistic sense of purpose and his own view of China's destiny. That makes him challenge America's co- American coexistence. He doesn't want to coexist. He wants China to take America's place as a world leader. So his job right now is to confuse Biden in the best way he can and mislead him in terms of what he wants. And he also has something on Biden that we don't talk about very much because we know that the relationship between Xi Jinping and Biden began more than 20 years ago when Biden was vice president and he was getting he was involved in getting wealthy by giving access to Washington to Xi Jinping yeah. Yeah. when he was vice president. Right. It, well, they have a long history, president. obviously corrupt as well. So what what came out of the meeting? What 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 what's the takeaway? Do do we know I anything? Think, I don't think we know because we don't know 
what it is that that Xi Jinping was trying to accomplish with this meeting. Uh, but we I'm were surprised just, he even agreed to meet with him. Well, I think he had to because it was a meeting of, uh, you know, it was not just a meeting between the two of them. There, there were other countries involved. So maybe he felt that it was appropriate. And by the way, there, uh, the, the Chinese uh, leadership is very uh, involved in decorum and doing, you know, and, and, and this is... This is okay, but they they lay down the rules. Whatever conversation he had with Biden, I will bet you that it was not um, designed by Biden. It was not laid out by Biden. That Xi Jinping created the whole plan of the conversation and carried it on exactly the way he wanted to. And he spoke in, I will bet he spoke in double entendre so that what he said to Biden seems on the surface to mean A when it really underneath means B. Right. Well, that, they're famous for that anyways. <laughs> yes, right. uh, Biden was asked, I did see something about a report. He was asked uh, uh, about um, uh, the sincereness uh, about uh, Xi Jinping. And uh, and he, you know, he, of course, answered it very favorable. Oh, yeah, it was a very good meeting and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, I've seen some sort of a comment about that. Um, I, I I think Biden is out of his league, obviously, with Xi Jinping, uh, Ilana. There's no way. I mean, Xi Jinping can chew him up and spit him out for breakfast. I mean, he doesn't have a chance to stand on anything. And not to mention all the corruptness that comes from Hunter Biden, all, not to go down those roads, but all of that corruptness and the sellout and the, you know, the uh, exchange of dollars that has happened with China. I mean, most uh, uh, Republicans really think that Biden is China's bitch. I believe he is. I believe I believe that. You know, when when we were wondering why mm-hmm. Biden was getting us out of Afghanistan by August 31st right. and wouldn't move on that date, mm-hmm. um, the, the information that I was given was that he had been bought off by uh, by Xi Jinping to get out, by, because remember, Xi Jinping wanted Bagram for China, and That's they right. got. That's right. That's and right. And they wanted the rare earth minerals in Afghanistan, and they got they licensed got them. that. Yeah. Yeah. And and so they wanted to make sure that by the end of August, America would be out of there, and they would leave yeah. everything behind. And and so the information that I had was that they promised him fifty million dollars mm-hmm. for him and his family. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Never, the money exchange there. Yeah, um, we never heard. We never had any verification of that, so we don't know for sure. But it's I, the intelligence source was a was a very uh, reliable one. Well, again, China, Xi Jinping is in a different league, as you've already stated with the art of war. He is outsmarting pretty much everybody, and and they're very uh, they're very sleek. And uh, the way uh, Xi Jinping, again, they, you know, they know the book. They know how to do the book. They know all about the art of war over there in China. And uh, he surely strategically uh, plays out uh, a lot of these rules of engagement. By the way, Alana, I looked up back a while, just a while ago as we were talking, the, uh, the uh, my point about Obama being snubbed. And this is what I mean about the Chinese and about Xi Jinping. They don't take any any guff from anybody. If they don't like you, back to my reference of him making Biden walk all the way across the room to shake his hand, which was obviously some sort of a power player signal. 
Um, they have a history of this. Now, I just went back and looked at the headlines, and surely I was correct. Uh, back in 2016 in September, uh, the headlines, Barack Obama deliberately snubbed by the Chinese in the chaotic uh, airplane incident. Trump calls Obama's tarmac flap a sign of disrespect. Of course, everybody did. Why was Obama treated with such disrespect on his last visit? Humiliation in China shows global disdain for Obama. That uh, I mean, these are massive headlines uh, right here. And so there was a disrespect. They actually, he had to come out of the cargo area of the plane. I mean, I, I remember the the, uh, the 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 punch to the gut that that was, and it was quite embarrassing actually for the country. They wouldn't allow the plane to pull up to get a normal. Um, uh, welcome, you know, as a foreign dignity, dignity, dignity. You remember that? You're, dignitary, I mean, yeah. Dignitary, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the irony there is that wow. when uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, as prime minister of Israel, yeah. went to the White House, mm-hmm. he went in late morning. He had a meeting with Obama and then Obama walked out of the room and left him there and he didn't serve him lunch. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and um, uh, Netanyahu had to be escorted out through a side entrance hmm. of the White you, House. You know, I'm thinking I could see them saying to him, no lunch for you, uh, Ben Bad or something. But um, I don't know. There's a lot of po- there's a lot of psychology behind it's these exactly politics. exactly the same thing as what Xi Jinping did to him. He hmm. did to Netanyahu. So I don't feel particularly sorry for him because he's as, he got as good as he get. I mean, he, yeah. you know, yeah. as he did. So. Um, I, I just I, I think, you know, it's it's a it's a shame for the United States mm-hmm. to suffer that indignity. But I don't feel particularly sorry for Obama because. Oh, no, no. I mean, he was what he is. I mean, he's yeah, he was a, he was a rat. He is a rat. Uh, yeah. And we know that he is. Well, he's a rat. I mean, he's pulling the puppet strings with Joe Biden. There's no doubt about that. You know, yes, no, there's no doubt about that at all. And I I, yeah, I yeah. think he's really true. He's he's the puppet master. But um He's not doing so well either. We didn't have a red wave, but Obama certainly hasn't uh, um, he hasn't achieved any big victories. Well, but this is a tall order for somebody that's a Marxist like a Barack Obama to try to take the country down and to use his words, uh, transformation of the United States of America. You know, basically you got 330 plus million people here. And and granted, Ilana, probably about a hundred, uh, right around, I'm gonna guess about a hundred million of them are woke and broke and, uh, and stupefied who vote and follow the media and vote for any of these cats. But the rest of the country is surely wide awake and uh, not going to let somebody like that uh, transform anything, let alone that. Elana, keep us posted on these very uh, strategic developments that are happening, uh, please, with uh, this incident here in Poland and uh, how that plays out. And uh, appreciate you jumping on with me today. No problem. It's been a pleasure. It always is, Malcolm. I love these conversations we have. And I hope that it helps your listeners to understand what's really going on under the covers. A lot happening back at AmericaOutloud.com. Remember, get involved, get loud, America.